Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. today and ask God to touch his word to our heart. His word is anointed. We know that. But we're going to ask God to let that coal of fire from the altar touch our lips, our minds, our hearts today in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the privilege to be right here again this morning in your house. I pray, God, that the presence of the Holy Ghost would just minister now to us. We ask you, Lord, not to just pass by too quickly. We ask you, God, not to rush through. But, oh, Lord, we need ourselves to yield to your presence and your will. We're asking you today to let the authority of the Holy Ghost minister today in our lives. In Jesus' name. And you may be seated. Before we get underway this morning, let me explain a little something to you. We're going to have a unique service in one sense of the word. Um, in our second service, we're going to be having a baptism service. We had several people that were uh, filled with the Holy Ghost during our camp season, and you'll hear a little bit more about that in detail in our second service. And as an end result of that, we have several people to baptize this morning. And so in our second service, we're going to be focusing on that baptism service. And um, we want this to be what it should be, and that is a very significant moment and a time in their lives. And so let's just ask the Lord to, uh, to just touch and season our heart and our minds for that. Amen. This, these are not just religious rituals, not just rites of passage, so to speak, but we're going to be in obedience to the Word of God and... And uh, today, let the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost just, um, let, just let the light of His glorious Word shine in our hearts, all of us collectively. This past Wednesday afternoon, uh, Wednesday morning, actually Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday morning, and uh, I felt like the Lord had just directed my attention to the life of Moses. And so on Wednesday night... Uh, I just I just took my time and took a little time and talked about Moses and and um, just discussed some life lessons from this incredible man. I I got up Thursday morning and and uh, I got up early Thursday morning and I just really felt like the Lord had just continued to burn some things into my heart and so I'm I'm going to obey the Lord today. And just continue on in this and, and let the Spirit of God touch our hearts. Just to summarize very, very briefly, this man by the name of Moses, his life could be divided into three 40-year segments of time. Moses lived 40 years in Pharaoh's court. And for 40 years, Moses was in the desert trying to find himself. 
And then the last 40 years of his life, he was used mightily by God. And we are where we are today because of the man that will be at the center of our discussion this morning. As one author put it, I mentioned this Wednesday night, but it certainly bears repeating. As one author put it, he, he said Moses spent 40 years finding out that he was somebody. And then he spent the next 40 years finding out that he was nobody. And then he spent the last 40 years finding out that God can take a nobody and make somebody out of them. Amen. And I think perhaps we haven't been on 40-year segments of our lives, but I think we've all made similar journeys. Seasons where we were thinking we were somebody. Seasons where we're reminded that we're nobody. And then other seasons where God reminds us that I can take even broken vessels, mold them again, and I can use them mightily and powerfully in this, in this very age. Moses was raised in the opulence of the home of a princess. He had been schooled at the feet of the finest. However, in all of this prestigious life, there was something that Moses could not escape. And that was the plight of his own people. Because he himself realized that his people were in slavery. And they were subjected to the heavy hand of the Pharaoh. And so because of that, something began to awaken inside of him. I mentioned Wednesday night, we'll say again, that Moses, Moses we find him to be somewhat of, a, of an impulsive man by nature. Perhaps it was that impulsiveness that allowed him to be used of God but we also know that that impulsiveness out of check and out of sync is what cost him a very very dear thing amen so Moses was Moses was uh, privy to the abuse of one of his own and in a matter in a manner of human weakness he took the situation into his own hands And the Bible says that he killed a man. He murdered a man and then buried him in the sand. Later on, Moses finds two of his own somewhat disagreeing. And he comes to their aid to try to console them. And finds that one of them spoke up and said, Are you just going to kill us like you did the other man? And uh, Moses realizes at that moment that the secret was out. And that even though he had buried a body in the sand, it had not been hidden from the eyes of God and apparently had not been hidden from the eyes of man. So we should not find it irony that Moses is the one that writes to us, be sure that your sins will find you out. So here's a man living out this particular passage of Scripture. And so uh, he finds himself in a very, very peculiar peculiar situation. He has He's lost his home. He's lost his possessions, he's lost his people, he's lost his reputation. But fortunately, he had not lost his God. Moses had made a tremendous mess of his life. He is here, he is here on purpose, for a purpose, and yet his human nature, his impulsiveness has gotten him in trouble. And so what... Uh, looked like the end of his life. It seemed to be over. He had to exile himself from Egypt. He ran. But what we would think or what perhaps he thought was the end of his life was really just the beginning training of another chapter of his life. For now, Moses was going to have to fade into obscurity. Now, you think about this. Here's a man that went from riches to rags. 
a man who really didn't stand any chance of even living, but the hand of God in his providential care brought Moses into the arms of a princess who raised him, who raised him. Now, uh, the, the seeming heir to the throne has been denounced. He's a common shepherd. To make matters worse, he's not even shepherding his own sheep, but he's watching after someone else's sheep. His competence has been whittled away at. His visions of grandeur are now gone. He has abandoned all hope of doing anything else other than just living out his life. Have we not found ourselves there? Maybe this is just how it is, and so I've just got to reconcile myself to this. This is the sum total of my life. Amen. That was all true. And this is how I ended Wednesday night. That was all true until he saw a bush in the desert that would not stop burning and yet would not be consumed. It was at that moment, at that juncture, at that intersection that Moses realizes God has another plan for my life. I pick up now in Moses, in, in, rather in Exodus, excuse me, Chapter 3 and verse number 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. What an incredible passage of scripture. Especially if you consider where Moses is at this moment in his life. God proceeds to tell Moses that he has seen the suffering of his people. Now Moses is going to be appointed to go back to Pharaoh and to proclaim freedom and liberty for the Jews. To think that Moses would be stunned would be the understatement of the year. To think that Moses would be somewhat taken by this directive from the Lord. Because what we have to realize is that it has been 40 years Since Moses has heard the voice of God. Forty years. Think about that. Amen. Forty years, not a sound from heaven. I mentioned this, I think, several months ago. Actually, not original to me. I heard another preacher say this, but oh, how we can relate to this. He said, you know, there's just something about a, a GPS system. He said that GPS system, when you set that system and it, and it gets you on the right road, it gets you in the right direction. If you're headed way out west, if you get on Interstate 10, you're going to ride for miles and miles and miles and miles, and and she's never going to say a word. It's not, it's only about 10 miles out before you ever hear her speak up again. About 10 miles out, there's a warning, and but all of that time after you've been given that direction, all of that time, you just have to keep driving on the faith of the last word that you heard. This preacher somewhat humorously mentioned this. He said, wouldn't it be nice if just every now and then that voice would come on and say, man, you're doing a great job. You're doing a good job. Just keep on, 
just keep on driving. Just every now and then that voice would just reassure you and 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 how wonderful that would be in our own lives if just somehow after that voice. But Moses has not heard the voice of God in forty years, and now all of a sudden from this bush a voice he recognizes. Forty years, not a sound, and now God comes to him speaking, and he says, You're going to go back to Egypt and you are going to pull and deliver my people out of Egypt. So in order to realize the true impact of this moment, as I said just a few moments ago, we have to really put ourselves in Moses' sandals, so to speak. We need to get back to that moment in time and see exactly where Moses is at this moment. Moses is not that young child that was laid in that personally prepared ark. He was not He was not that beautiful the boy that the Bible describes him to be complete, comely. He, he describes him to be whole. And no doubt, as I mentioned Wednesday, it was that beauty and that perfection that, that without a doubt caused the princess here of this country to even desire to take him back into her home. This was not that person. This was not that young man. But now the man that is standing here is 80 years old. His skin is weathered from the blazing sun. Perhaps his back is a little bowed with time. This is not the same man that God had called from the womb of his mother. But here was a man hearing the voice of God. Perhaps he's a little more seasoned. No doubt he's a little wiser. He may have felt like that life had passed him by. But now voices are speaking to him, or a voice is speaking to him out of a bush. It appears that he was completely content to just live out the rest of his life, tending another man's sheep. This was it. Moses thought the end of the story, this is how it will end. But God was about to turn the page in his life. I believe that the Holy Ghost is speaking to someone, multiple people. I think Wednesday night, including myself, were ministered to Wednesday night. And I believe that we're going to be ministered to again here today because I believe that we're standing at an intersection where God can just turn the page of our lives. Maybe you thought, well, this is just it. And this is how I am destined to spend the rest of my life. But I believe that God is about to turn the page. You know, I think timing is everything. And it's almost a subject that we get weary with hearing because we we understand somewhat, to some degree, the difference between the calling of God and the timing of God. But I think it is so important to understand how important timing is. We must wait on God's timing. God knows when the time is right. And when it is, the doors will open. I just had a minister friend yesterday that called me and uh, they have been for some time now just in a valley of uncertainty and they have uh, they have just been faithfully serving the Lord but they feel like there's something that is in their future but they can't quite get their hands on it. This past Tuesday night there was a minister that came through town. Their pastor was going to be coming through town. Their pastor felt led of the Lord to to just call a special Tuesday night service. And so they gathered into their church and this man came and preached. And as he was preaching, he just stepped down off the platform. And as he walked by, my friend, he put his hand on his shoulders and he said, You need to just be calm 
The doors that have not opened have not opened because it's not time. But when it is time, they're going to open. And he just kept right on preaching. (laughs) Now, I don't think that man came just for one person, but I think he could have come by there just for that one person to remind him that when it is time, these doors will open. Exodus 3 and 6, the Bible says, Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham. The God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And so we read a verse like that and sometimes we can miss the meaning. We can just kind of scroll through that. But we got to get this. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. There, there are perhaps multiple points here that could be made from this passage of Scripture. But think about for just a moment, Abraham, did he ever have any lapses in his faith? Did Abraham ever turn left when he should have turned right? Did Abraham have it all together? Absolutely not. There were times when Abraham's faith failed him and his judgment lapsed. Amen. By all means, we know that to be scripturally so. What about the God of Jacob? (laughs) Jacob's mistakes are legendary. We think about all the things that Jacob has done and we could talk about that from now throughout the rest of the service. So here is what God was trying to say to to Moses. I am a God to ordinary people. I am a God of ordinary people. The God of Abraham. I know we have Abraham all the way filed in Hebrews 11. I know that's where we have Isaac and that's where we have Jacob, but if you'll just hold up and go back, you will find these men sometimes in the mire of their own poor decisions and their own mistakes. And so he wasn't trying to say to Moses at this particular point, because again, you need to remember where Moses is at this point in his life. I am the God of Abraham. He's the man who lied about his own life. Amen. Here is a man who had, a, who had problems trusting and believing God at critical moments in his life. And so God wasn't speaking of Abraham as he is in Hebrews 11. He wasn't talking about Jacob as he was when he won the battle with the angel in that midnight prayer meeting or in Hebrews 11 again. But he was catching them in the midst of their mire and he said, I'm the God of Abraham and I am the God of Jacob. I am the God of ordinary people. I feel the Holy Ghost would have me to tell you this morning, amen, that before you file all these heroes of faith over there in Hebrews 11, you remember there was a journey, a long winding journey to get them to Hebrews 11. And so he's the God of your poor decisions. He's the God of my mistakes. He's the God, amen, that when I should be moving forward and I pause in my spirit because of the lack of faith, he said, I am your God. I'm that God. I'm that God. Amen. Amen. So I have come to deliver my people. And Moses, you're the man. We might find in our mind Moses is clicking his heels, but I don't think so. I think Moses is thinking about killing a man and covering him up in sand. I think Moses is thinking about all the mistakes he's made. I think Moses is rehearsing four decades of his life tending sheep when heaven was silent. How many times in 40 years do you think he wished that God would have just cleared his throat and he overheard it? But nothing. 
Heaven was brass. It was closed. It was out of business. It was, it was, it was not one thing that he could ever hear from God. You would have thought that Moses would have fallen on his face and said, why? I've been waiting on this moment. Let's go. But that's not what we find at all. Instead, Moses offers up a series of excuses. Amen. Here we find ourselves. He said, first, I don't have all the answers. So how am I going to lead these people out of Egypt? Exodus 3 and 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I say that I am come unto the children of Israel, and, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? I don't have all of the answers. God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. We have all been there when we thought I, I would love to do something for the Lord, but I don't have all the answers. Amen? Uh, some would say I'd love to do something for the Lord, but I don't even know all the questions. My, don't we find ourselves there? That's the same excuse that Moses had, or the same excuse that Moses had we have today. Well, I would give my testimony, or I would share my faith, or I would witness to somebody, or I would give a home Bible study, but I, I, I don't know why I don't have all the answers. What if this happens, or what if that happens, or what if they don't receive it, or what if they don't believe what I'm saying, or what if they ask me a question that I don't have an answer to? Amen. What does God say about this? God said, I will put words in your mouth. John 14 and 26, He said that the Holy Spirit, Amen, the Holy Ghost would bring to remembrance, Amen, those things in our heart. I'm not suggesting to us that we can just go find a chair and a glass of Kool-Aid and just sit there and God's just going to rain down everything we need. We need to study to show ourselves approved, but I'm going to tell you, Amen, God was saying to Moses, I will stand with you. I I will give you the words that you need to have. Amen. He told his disciples when he commissioned them in the New Testament, you go forth and I will fill your mouth with words. I will put it there. Can I tell you today that I have been there so many, many times I've lost count. Whenever I was asked a question, I was faced with a situation, presented a peril and I'm thinking, oh Lord, I don't even know how to find an answer. I don't know what to say. And just like God can anoint me in a pool pit, God can anoint me in my office or God can anoint me in my home or in someone else's home or wherever and give you the word that you must have. Can I tell you that He doesn't do that just because I'm a licensed preacher, but He will do that for you as well. He did that because I'm full of His Spirit, full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And He said that Holy Spirit will bring things to your remembrance. Amen. And so those things that come to mind as a matter of fact, I want to be real clear here that God has brought things to my mind not by way of remembrance, but God has brought things to my mind by way of revelation. Things I haven't even ever thought of before. Amen. Something I've never heard of before, but God would just drop that word in your heart. Amen. The Spirit of God interceding words right there. But you know what? You're never going to experience that unless you step out by faith. That's not going to happen to you sitting in your den. That's not going to happen to us sitting at our own dining table. But when we step out by faith, God will be there. Moses' second excuse is the people won't believe me. Exodus 4. Excuse me, Exodus 4 and 1, And Moses answered and said, Behold, but behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken to my voice. 
For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And be careful. Because Moses is fixing to get the banana scared out of him. What is, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't. The Lord said, Moses, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And the Lord said, cast it, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And the Bible says that Moses fled from before it. Just like most of us would have done the same thing. So lest we think about old Moses and his lack of faith. I'm going to tell you, when I find a snake, I'm not working toward it. But I'm walking away from it. I, like Moses, I'm going to flee from before it. And now, here's the voice of God. The next instruction. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand. And take it by the tail. So go ahead and sit there all pious if you want to. This is way more than Moses ever counted on. This is, this is nothing that Moses ever envisioned in his wildest imagination, but he was obedient to the voice of God and he put forth his hand. Amen. Now you can think that he thrust that hand out with great faith, but I'm thinking about a man who just got through running. Amen. I think his hand might have been trembling just a little bit. I think fear might have had him by the throat, but God's word was in his heart. I'm not so certain that Moses was walking up there ten foot tall and bulletproof. Amen. I believe that it was just through the obedience obedient word of God that he stretched forth his hand amen he stretched forth his hand and caught it and when he caught it and not until he caught it not until he touched it that it become a rod again in his hand amen I say Lord help us he said that they might believe that the Lord God of their fathers the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee God was trying to show Moses I got this I got this I said it Wednesday night I just need some hands I just need some feet I just need some a voice I just need someone I need your hand to cast the rod I need your hand to take the serpent by the tail Amen I need your hand Of course there is some symbolism here The serpent was a symbol of Egypt And so I believe that God was doing more than just tricks Amen. God wasn't just saying, He wasn't just saying, move out, let me just bedazzle you here with a little something. No, no, no. Since, since the serpent was the symbolism of Egypt or the symbol of Egypt, I think what God was saying, you may be afraid in your heart, you may be afraid in your flesh, but if you will just reach down and take the serpent, and just like you conquered that serpent, if you'll go back to Egypt, you will conquer Egypt as well. You may be quivering in your heart, your flesh may be doubtful. Amen. You may be, your knees may be knocking together, but if you will move in faith, I am going to use you. Amen. Now if we think about Exodus 7, that was one of the miracles that was performed in Exodus 7. The magicians of Pharaoh were able to duplicate. Remember that? When Moses went back, he cast his rod down. Well, Pharaoh said, well, that's no big deal. He called his magicians. He had them cast their rods and they became serpents. Amen. But when they became serpents, the Bible says that Moses' rod became a serpent and ate the serpents of Pharaoh, showing that God had given him power over Egypt. I'm 
trying to tell you this morning that God is trying to call us collectively and He is trying to call us individually, amen, to a place. You say, well, I've heard that until I'm tired of hearing it. I've heard that and I've not seen anything come about. I'm telling you one more time that the voice of God would say, amen, to this congregation, I have a work for you to do, but you've got to rise up and do it. Amen. But what about this? But what about that? But what about the other? Hey, we've all got more questions than we have answers. But God said, I will be there for you just like I was there for Moses. Oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord here this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Moses said, after all this, you would think now he's on on the team. Moses has even more excuses, but I'm not a good speaker. Exodus 4 and 10, Moses said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant, but I am slow with speech and of a slow tongue. Amen. Have we ever felt that way? I don't know how to speak well. I don't know how to speak in front of people, and that's understandable. Here's the thing. We don't have to have confidence in ourselves. We just need to have confidence in God. Listen to what God says in, in response to Moses' excuse. You would think this would be enough. You would think. Verse number 11. And the Lord said to them, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have, I, have not I the Lord? Amen. He said, now therefore go and I will be with thy mouth and shall teach thee what thou shalt say. Now I'm just, just going to jar your thinking here. Is it not possible that God was saying, if you'll just go, I'll heal that. If you'll just go... I'll be with you. I can change all that. Maybe he had some speech impediment of some sort, but God will say, if you'll just go, I can take care of that. Amen. And so I, I, I think that we need to understand that God is just asking for flesh to go, to yield and submit itself. I've got enough sense to know this, that when I stand here to preach, it's not uh, what I'm not trying to convey to, to you or to any congregation that I would be before, is that I feel so important and you ought to listen to me. That's not what this is all about this morning. Amen. I want to be presentable. I tried to make sure my hair was straight and I hope my tie is not crooked and I hope my cuffs are not turned wrong side out. We've tried to make sure of all those things, but I'm not going to stand here today like, well, I've just got something so wonderful and, and I'm just so wonderful you to start to hear what I've got to say. Amen. Here's what I've come to this desk to tell you. I'm not important, but I've got a great important message. Amen. I am nobody to listen to. Amen. But I've got something burning in my heart that I feel like God has given me. Amen. It's not my word. It's His word. I've just come to deliver. I'm just the mailman, so to speak. Amen. But the message is important. And I may not be confident in me always, but I am confident always in the message. Amen. Because I know that I have not the power to change a life. But here's what I do know. Amen. This has the power to change a life. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I can come up miserably short. I can say this when I should have said that. I can go there when I should have went there. But I know one thing that my confidence is in this word. And this word released. This word spoken. This word declared. This word stood on. Can and will change lives. Hallelujah. My confidence is in God. My confidence is in God. So listen to what God says to Moses in his excuse. The Lord said unto him, The Lord said unto him, And the Lord who hath made man's mouth, or who has, who has made the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind, have not I the Lord? So he said, Go. You just go, and I will be with you. Amen. This word has the power to change the lives. Therefore, I, I want to deliver the word as 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 eloquently as I possibly can. Amen. I don't think the word, I think the word rather should be not delivered on the garbage can lid. Amen. I think we ought to put it on the finest platter that we can possibly do. Present it as well as we possibly can. Amen. But here's the bottom line. The gospel, the life changing, soul changing gospel is a very simple message. We just need to present it as is. Paul said this, I came to you, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. This is what Paul said, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's man's wisdom, but in the demonstration or in demonstration of spirit and power. Amen. I think for the gospel to be effective, I think for the gospel to be understood, it just merely needs to be presented. Amen. I just need to leave it as it is and present it. Amen. In its simplicity. Now the gospel is a very simple message. Hear me now. I didn't say it was simplistic. Amen. I just said it was a simple message. The gospel is simple enough for a child to understand. Oh, yes, it is. But that same gospel is deep enough, amen, to have theologians still poking at it and digging in it. Amen. It is simple enough for a child to get it. <laughs> amen. But it is deep enough and broad enough for a theologian to say, I've got to go back to it one more time. I've got to dig at it one more time. I want to discover another dimension and another layer. And the gospel is all of that. Amen. The point is, Simply this, we must proclaim the gospel and let God do the work. I've lost count, if you don't mind, just a little openness here today. I've lost count through the years how many nights and days I've gone home so disappointed. It's all right? Because I just knew. I just knew, not because I was preaching, but I just knew the message was going to change hearts and it was going to, that something powerful was going to explode, something was going to happen. And sometimes very few people have even moved a muscle, even people with the Holy Ghost. And sometimes in my flesh, I'm getting way more honest than I thought I would get here. Sometimes in my flesh, I just want to come out here and say, What is up with you? Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Amen. But I'm afraid of doing that because I don't know if God's mad or if I'm mad. But I believe that God does express His anger through the ministry. But sometimes that's what ought to happen. I'm getting bold enough. I'm kind of... I mean, when the Spirit of God is moving and... Amen. I I think it was Brother Dean the other day that that told me. He said, you know, really, when we think about... It was. He he said, really, when you think about the blessings of us in America, when you think about how blessed we are in America, you know what ought to be happening in pulpits across America? Amen. Those that are standing behind the pulpits ought to be having to say, sit down. Amen. we got to get to the next order of the service. Sit down. Sit down. we got to move on to the next order of the service. But you know where that's happening? That's happening in third world countries where they have no food in the cupboard and no shoes on their feet. And while we are sitting here fat and sassy, amen, God forgive us. God forgive us. God forgive us for not being moved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, the gospel took a beer can out of your hand. The gospel took a needle out of your vein. The gospel took drugs out of your system. The gospel put your family back together. The gospel holds us where we are. When somebody starts talking about hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Something ought to stir in our soul. When the gospel is preached, it ought to do something to us. It ought to do something to us. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm not being a smart aleck this morning, but I'm warning you. I'm warning you. I've been praying for those seasons like happened when I was a child. Amen. I remember the Holy Ghost starting on one side of the building and like a wave of water, it went across that building. Amen. And I'm telling you, saint and sinner alike, they were stirred. Amen. The saints were worshiping and the sinner was running to the altar. I said, oh God, oh God, take us back. Take us back. Take us back. I'm going to tell you where men with... Oh God, take us back. The power, the power of the gospel. Amen. I've seen men and women so full of pride. Amen. They wouldn't lift their hands, but God would roll them across the aisle. Amen. God would say, I'll show you who. I'll show you who is in control here. Oh God, sweep over our souls. Sweep over our souls. Sweep over our souls. Amen. What? What is up? What is up? What is up? If God is in this house and we are so unmoved and so unimpressed. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Stir us. Move us. Change us. Amen. Amen. God, God help us to be stirred. God help us to be changed. This is what happens when the gospel is preached. You may be seated. This is what happens when the gospel is preached. 
the gospel should stir the, the saint and the sinner alike. It should. I mean, it, it ought to stir us to remembrance. It ought to take us back to that place. Oh my God, I want to thank you for saving my soul. I want to thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Amen. You may not have found yourself in any of those illustrations a moment ago. Maybe you've never had a beer can in your hand, a needle in your arm, drugs in your system, but I'm going to still tell you, amen, that you were no more saved without God than were those. Amen. And so I say, but for the grace of God, there go I. Amen. We stood in need and we raised our hands and our hearts and we said, God, I'm lost and I'm undone and I need you. I need you. Amen. I need you. I need you. I need you. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I remember hearing the story years ago. Remember hearing the story years ago of old elder brother J. Frank Wilson who was preaching as a man in the church sitting back there sound asleep. Sound asleep. Amen. Brother Wilson, he just walked up there and he said, Wake up, Elijah. You need to hear what I'm saying. Amen, amen. May the Spirit of God touch our hearts and say, wake up, you need to hear. You need to hear what I'm saying this morning. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Praise God. Moses said, I'm not qualified. Well, don't we all find ourselves in the line of the unqualified? Amen. He said, oh my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of whom thou wilt send. Another translation says this, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Are you kidding me? Don't let us be lost to something here. Moses just got through hearing God for the first time in 40 years. And he disqualifies himself and asks to send somebody else. Amen. Now, <clears throat> this has always been somewhat baffling to me. But God condescends to Moses' request and answers it. But you best be careful what you ask for. Because you don't have to get very much further into the book of Exodus and we find this man Aaron that Moses said, I just can't go without him. In his absence while he's on Mount Sinai, hearing from God, hear me, and the finger of God, if I'm in the book, the finger of God, what a holy and divine thing is going on right up that mountainside. The finger of God is riding in the tables of stone, the ten, what we know as the Ten Commandments. And all of a sudden, in this great, right at the zenith of this great, wonderful spiritual experience, the Lord stops and says, Moses, you probably better get back down there. Something's going on, Moses. Moses, you better get back down there and check on the people. And when Moses comes down the mountain, here's all the people that were following him, and they're naked as jaybirds, dancing around a golden calf. And Aaron's standing there thinking, uh... <laughs> uh, you know, one time when my dad, just not long before he passed, my dad's mind was slipping just a little bit. And, and so I had to get be careful not to ever mention any projects that I wanted, on, you know, I wanted to do, had on my mind, you know. And, and I, one morning I said, you know, when I get home, I'm going to work on the lawnmower. And uh, 
it dawned on me. I said, now, Dad, don't you, don't, don't you do that till I get home now. You just wait till I get home. And so I think Justin was with me. And so we left and, and we come driving back up and Dad's got the lawnmower all jacked up and tools are everywhere. And he just looked like a 12-year-old kid when I drove up. And I said, Dad, I'm trying to be not, you know, I am nice and respectful. I said, Dad, why did you do what I asked you not to do? He said, because I didn't know you was coming home this soon. (laughs) Well, I wasn't quite sure what to do with that level of honesty. (laughs) was... And so I just kind of picture that as like Aaron. Here comes Moses and Aaron is standing there. I didn't know you were coming down this thing. <laughs> Lord have mercy. We're laughing about it. I shouldn't know. It was a poor place for humor. This is a serious thing. But Aaron is the man that Moses had asked to go with him. And now they're in a world of trouble. Amen. Moses said, this is what I want. And God gave it to him. You know, I'm just going to pause here. I just want to give you another little thought. I'm not no new doctrine here or nothing. I just give you a little thought. But uh, when when the Lord knew what the Lord knew what was going on down there, and so His anger burned within Him, and He said to Moses, "I, I am going to consume them." And He said. I'm going to destroy them. And even in Deuteronomy, there's a reference to this. And he said, I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they. Now I'm in the book. He said, Moses, move back. And I'm going to consume them. And I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater. Be careful what you ask for. And, the, and Moses said, no, Lord, just let me work with them. Just let me work with them. And they proved to be thorns in his side, and they proved to be the catalyst. I'm not trying to find a nail to hang something on here, but they proved to be the catalyst that pushed Moses over the edge to make him strike the rock. Amen. I said all that to say this. I wonder how many things God would would take out of our life and say, I'll give you something in exchange for it greater. And we're so in love with what we got that we say, no, I'll just take this. I'll just take it. Let me just hold on to this. Let me just let me just coddle this a little while longer. And God, once again, God, once again, acquiesced to the request of a man. I'm telling you, the life lessons of Moses is when God speaks and says, I want something out of your life. Amen. You need to take your hand off of it. I don't care how much you've got invested in it, how much you love it, how much you admire it, how much you, no, 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 none of the above. He said, Moses, I'll make of you, of you, a nation mightier. I'll make a nation greater, greater. And Moses said, no, I'll just take this. I'll just work with this. Just let me do this and Moses finds himself robbed of the promise amen and I just move on praise God amen we sing the song have thine own way Lord have thine own way but do we really mean it but he taught us the Lord's prayer not my will but thy will be done if our musicians would come there's a place I understand I understand I don't want us to be lost in what I'm saying here 
But we must be very, very careful about imposing our will upon God. We need to say, not my will, but your will be done. Now, I, I get, I get it, I think I get it, that Moses had grown dear to these people. I mean, he knew them. He, he, he knew them. And so I get it. But we've got to be careful when we start imposing our own will. Let me say one more thing before I pass through this. And if our ushers need to bring our Sunday school students in, please feel free to do so. There is a place, obviously, there is a place for wrestling with God in prayer. Jacob pointed that out. There is a place for persistence in prayer. The woman who, the illustration or parable of the unjust judge who just kept coming back. Or another woman, I think in John 21, who kept asking the Lord and asking the Lord. And the scripture says, of Jesus himself, and he answered her not a word. But she wasn't offended. She just kept asking. So there is a place for that. But there is always the most important place for saying, Lord, thy will be done. And so I'll close with this. Moses never dreamed during those first 40 years of his life that God was preparing him to become a spiritual shepherd of three million people. So here is what we have seen in these valuable life lessons. We've seen the blessing and the benefit of exercising faith and trust in God as in the case of Moses' parents. Because I remind you Wednesday that I said that Moses' mother did not place that child in this little personal ark and kick it into the water and cross her fingers, hope for the best. But the Bible says that she placed that little ark in the flags. Or in the reeds, the flagons, the reeds. She placed him there. Let me remind us again as parents that we should never call our children to any level of service in the kingdom of God. Never do that. That could be to their detriment because if God has not given them the grace for that calling, they will find themselves shipwrecked. If you're going to be a missionary to Africa, you need more than desire. You need God's grace for that ministry to go with you. That grace is what will keep you there. And so, you know, what's dangerous sometimes, and this happens, but sometimes parents live their lives vicariously through the lives of their children. And so they push them into the arms of some service in the kingdom of God, and what a dangerous thing. When I was coming along, I haven't heard this in years, I just thought about this, but when I was coming along to the ministry, I used to hear this thing say some were called and some were sent and some just picked up the Bible and went. Some have been called by God, others have been called by family members, their wives or their mothers or something of that nature, dangerous, or their fathers, it's a very dangerous thing. We need to be reminded of the importance of raising our children in the Lord and laying a godly foundation to build upon because that's what Moses' parents were doing. We've seen that God never allows any circumstance or experience to go as a waste in our lives. But He will take that. Even things that, that God really was not the author of. Romans 8 and 28, God can take that and He can make it good in our lives. Even when we fail, God can see, can still work. Amen. Moses miserably failed. He should have never murdered that man. He went into exile for 40 years of silence. But God could still work with him. It doesn't mean it's the end. It doesn't mean there's no more chances. 
Moses, you're going to have to take a trip to obscurity. If God had told him up front how long, Moses' heart would have died within him. For four decades, Moses, you're not going to hear from me. But God in His silence was really mercy. Amen. But God is a God of second chances. As a matter of fact, God is a God of third chances and fourth chances. And aren't are we all glad? And so today, maybe you're here and you are in your obscurity right now. And maybe you, like Moses, feel like you're doing nothing more than just tending a little flock of sheep that belong to someone else. Maybe you've made a mistake and maybe you are paying for that mistake even as I speak today. Perhaps you've come to the conclusion that it's too late and God would never use you. But I believe God would have me to say to you this morning, don't give up. Don't give up. God may come to you through some extraordinary circumstances as He did with Moses and say, I want to use you in this special way. And when He does, here is my admonition to you. Please don't make excuses. Just simply say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me. Send me. Let's stand. Can we do that? Praise God. Praise God. Today, if we were to really peel back the layers of the heroes of faith, the heroes of this day, if we were somehow to be able to come alongside them close enough, we would see their flaws and their insecurities. We may see them ten foot tall, bulletproof. We may see them so full of courage and confidence. But if you really knew their heart and their heart may beat, and that chest may beat a heart with a lot of questions, the feelings of uncertainty. But I believe that if we can peer into the life of Moses and realize that even at 80 years of age, things radically different. God said, I'm still going to use you. Today, God still wants to use you. Praise the Lord. I wonder if we could slip our hands. Can we slip our hands heavenward and open our mouth in prayer and let the Spirit and the power of God Almighty just move. Hallelujah. Oh, what a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.